Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig, your host, here for another one-on-one interview with Adam Ross. Hello, Adam. Hello. And Adam is going to be talking to us about First Fantasy Books. It's an interesting project, a a company that Adam has started. Um, And we're going to get into that and what it is and what he's doing. First, I want to remind everybody to go to thelegendarium.com where you can find links to uh, past episodes, Patreon, Discord, all this stuff. Okay, look, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard all all this spiel. So I'm just going to skip right past that. We're going to get into the good stuff. Adam, uh, first fantasy books. You know what? I was going to explain what it is, but that would be really, really foolish. Why don't you explain what first fantasy books is? And then I'll kind of intro the topic. Yeah, First Fantasy Books is a project I started uh, internally about 10 years ago during my master's program. Um, I was working with some students who were English language learners, and they were really getting disconnected from content because they were second graders, and the content that they were having to read was like kindergarten level or, you know, first grade level, and they didn't engage with that content anymore. And so what I started pondering through my head is how can I get them content that's level appropriate, but also like engaging to their age group and above, um, because I continued on working a high school and uh, similar situation. Students who are behind in their reading weren't having content that they were engaging with. Um, so I started writing stories that were fantasy related because I myself love fantasy and um, trying to bring the lexicon and the um, just the, the proficiency level down so that we can capture beginning readers uh, and uh, allow give them just content that they can really engage with. Because, you know, I believe that just engaging is the first part of really becoming a good reader. You have to want to read and uh, participate in that. Um, in order to really flourish. So that was kind of where it all started. Um, and it's morphed into this now company uh, that I started, started self-publishing last year with our first level, um, the Explorer's Guides to Reading. And uh, yeah, it's it's really become kind of a, a firestorm this year. It's been really exciting to, to see it um, be as accepted as it, as it has been. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a... Uh... This is for for longtime listeners, and I do mean longtime listeners. <laughs> um, this is a kind of an eight and a half year old sequel. This is this is our Top Gun Maverick uh, to <laughs> a couple conversations we had with Matt Woolley back mm-hmm. in gosh, it would have been twenty fourteen, I think. Um, <laughs> so we talked with Matt Woolley about uh, the, the episode, and Adam and I think both listened to this very recently. The episode about. Uh, uh, fairy tales, the darker, the better. Um, and comic books are good for kids' brains. And I, I thought this would be a really fun continuation. You know, what does it mean for uh, kids to consume stories and, and how how they engage with those and at what age? And, um, you know, it, it, it's not it, it's not an exact continuation of the, those topics, but it does fit in nicely with them. Um, by the way, and I was Adam. I was telling you before we started about how embarrassed I was at uh, at myself <laughs> listening to those episodes. So eight and a half years later, Matt Woolley, I apologize for interrupting you so much. Um, all right. So first fantasy books then fits into this idea of of getting kids involved in stories. Now, f- 
it sounds like for you, it's uh, it started as how do we get them reading, period. Yeah. Um, and then because you are a, a fantasy lover, that's the genre that you kind of went with. Is that the only explanation or is there some uh, was there some calculation like, hey, kids love fantasy stories. We, we need to have dragons and swords and magic and whatnot. Uh, or is it just, hey, I love it. So maybe they will, too. There's a whole lot of calculation, actually. Um, so I format my books based on a combination of Adlerian positive psychology, um, some sort of uh, Bronfenbrenner's, I don't know if you're familiar with the ecological systems theory, but it basically talks about how um, we kind of perceive the world and we grow both through a combination of our just our brain chemistry, as well as the things that we're, surround, we're surrounded with um, and how the environment impacts us as well. And, um, and then also language acquisition models. So I try to shy away from saying kids books uh, under specific circumstances because I really am, uh, the intent is to create engaging reading materials for early English readers or for developing English readers. Um, and so I want these to be as accessible to, say, a 15-year-old um, refugee as it is to a first grader who's just, you know, picking up books for the first time. So are, are, if you don't mind me asking, on that note, are you talking about um, the same story being, being accessible to different age groups? Or are you talking about creating enough content that you've got something to hand to any age group or situation? I want the same story to be accessible to different age groups who are at the same reading proficiency level in the English language or in a given language. So our hope is to eventually get these translated so that somebody who might be learning Spanish can read it in Spanish and use it to help develop their Spanish language. Um, or a native Spanish speaker who's just learning to read Spanish for the first time can pick it up and read it as well. So yeah, it's, and that's where fantasy kind of comes in is it's sort, it's this genre that can be accessible um, to multiple age groups and still be engaging. Uh, you know, when you have a story about Biscuit the Little Puppy, um, it's great content for kindergarten, first grade, and, you know, three-year-olds, and it's, um, those are fantastic books. But when you get to be 15 years old and you're just learning to read English for the first time, carrying around a biscuit book uh, around high school is probably not the most socially acceptable thing. Uh, and so I wanted to really provide um, books that were still accessible, uh, developmentally appropriate, and, um, and then, yeah, just still engaging. And that's where fantasy comes in, is it can... It's this genre that can really be accessible across age groups. Now, how do you approach that accessibility um, across age groups when it comes to the content involved? Okay, so this is something we talked about with Matt Woolley. Um, you know, he he had this whole thing about, look, kids are resilient and they have to build that resilience. Uh, they, they have to practice that. So sanitizing their media isn't necessarily the way to go but at the same time it, it's not like he was saying you should show all of your kids hellraiser at the age of six or whatever so you know he's saying there is a line somewhere you know and parents have to decide where that is but how do you approach this question of um here are 
kind of universal themes or situations or actions or language um, that can be accessible, but also not, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Condescending or infantilizing to some of the older readers. Does that does this make sense? Um, yeah. yeah, you know, violence and sex and language and all that stuff. Uh, I think some of that is going to be one of those, that's going to be one of those things that I'll have to come across when I get into higher levels. Uh, right now, the, the, the lower levels, it's pretty easy to just keep it on topic because we're working on um, language development rather than really getting deep into content yet. Um, I would say probably when I start getting into the the chapter books and the, and the teen novels, uh, our goal is to gradually build up. By the way, we, we've only released level one, which is repeated sentence books. Um, but when we get into the, some of the bigger books, we'll, we'll dive into some more of those contents. And yeah, that's going to be one of those things that I think as, uh, as a teacher or as a parent um, that you'll probably look at and go is, you know, is this something that I feel is appropriate? Um, because it's fantasy. There's going to be fighting, right? There's, it's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of punching. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when we get to that point, that'll have to be something that people have to decide. Um, I actually have already had that issue. We've got one, our Explorer's Guide to Swords, which um, it's about describing words, right? It's helping build adjective lexicon for the reader. Um, big, small, you know, uh, old, new, those are the vocabulary words that um, are taught through it. And I've had people go, you know what? This isn't appropriate for my kid. I don't want them hyper fixating on the sword. <laughs> it's too phallic, Adam. It's too right. phallic. I guess so. Yeah, it's just like, okay, you know, you don't want them to, to be fixated on the weapons or whatever it may be. And it's just like, okay, that's your choice. Um, unfortunately, you know, that's, uh, it's a great tool that kids engage with right um and it doesn't matter little boys little girls they want they some of them they want to see the fighting they want the punching so just shout out to ken ken uh, yes <laughs> ken we've got books coming your way okay don't worry we'll make a reader out of you yet um okay so that's okay that's interesting uh what are some of the other, uh, and I apologize, I feel like I'm going in a, a million different directions, but I'm just kind of playing off of uh, uh, what you're talking about here. Um, and I'm interested in what are some of the language development issues? You're talking about adjectives and, you know, these descriptor words. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other things that you try to teach specifically and, and how do you use fantasy to do it? So I love this idea of describing swords. Like that's a lot of fun. What else yeah. do you do? So uh, each one of our first books focuses on a different vocabulary set. So our first one, the Explorer's Guide to Ogre Faces is emotions. And so you've got this, you know, cute ogre who it's literally just his face uh, in most of them, but it starts out, uh, let me, let me restart. So we start with scaffolding. Um, which is just supporting where the reader is at. Um, and so our whole first level is repeated sentence so that the reader can get used to just reading left to right, um, having some predictability in test or in the text so that they can uh, feel comfortable taking risks themselves. They can get in kind of a rhythm and, and know what's going to be on the next page for the most part with some little tweaks. Um, and Ogre Faces really sets that up. You've got 
this is an ogre is the first page so that the reader gets that background information that they get to reuse through the rest of the book. Uh, and then each page shows his face in a different expression and it gives a vocabulary word for it. That helps input the vocabulary into the reader's brain. And then in the back, we've got this thing called spell scrolls, which are where the reader then gets to use that vocabulary and that makes them process it through their brain and then output it onto the paper. And that, um, cements it into their long-term memory. So we use all these different little pieces to help build that. And then the next book, it's a different vocabulary set. Um, Ogre Faces is eight pages long. By the time we get through the first level, we're at about 14 pages. So we're gradually building reader stamina as well. Um, and yeah, it's kind of using that video game mechanic of just going through that tutorial phase, right? That's what the Explorer's Guide is all about. It's that tutorial stage of reading. Um, and then as we go up to the next level, it's going to be a little bit harder, a little less predictable, um, but still be in a comfort zone for the reader to challenge themselves academically. And it's going to give some themes so that they are like, oh, this is kind of what's coming. And it'll give them that intrinsic motivation to, all right, I'm going to go to that next level. I want to get to that next level. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'm looking on the website right now. People can go to firstfantasybooks.com, by the way, and check all this out. And I'll link to it in the show, no show notes. Um, but it's uh, it's fun to see. It looks like there are maybe six books out right now, you said. And uh, and they're all, <laughs> the covers are pretty nondescript. Is this what you're talking about? Like, hey, we want, you know, a 15-year-old to be able to carry this around and not... Uh, you know, have a, a cartoon ogre face on the cover. Is that kind of what we're thinking? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, and, cool. uh, one of the interesting side effects, so they come on a, they come uh, matte finish printed. I wanted them to kind of look like a leather tome, right? Like, mm. you know, leather fantasy tome that they are spell book that they're carrying around with them. Um, and one of the interesting things is the ink that's used. It actually has sort of a leathery feel to the matte finish. Um, and we found that especially, um, readers who are on the autism spectrum they really enjoy that tactile mm. uh, sensation that tactile simulation and so they've gravitated toward these books uh, which has been great uh, you know uh, a kind of a happy side effect as that is a, a demographic that I, was really part of my inspiration uh, working in special ed um, yeah. you know having them identify so heavily with it has been really great so we've got, uh, we mentioned ogre faces and swords. There's also mm -hmm. shields, potions, and then uh, creatures and places in Luna Nueva. Yes. Uh, is that, that's the world that this is all set in? Yes, Luna Nueva is the kingdom in which uh, these stories are all going to take place, at least this first series of stories. Um, and then, you know, if this takes off, hey, I would love to do sci-fi. I'd love to expand the world out and all those kinds of things. Um, but currently we're working on Luna Nueva, building it from beginning reader up through teen novel. And eight to 14 pages, you know, I got to say, you're Adam, you're, you're fulfilling my dream of fantasy authors who don't write thousand page books uh, every time. So, uh, so this is perfect. Maybe, you know, what next time we do a legendary one-off episode, Hey, we're just going to discuss one book. Maybe it'll be, uh, Ogre faces or something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, brilliant. Now you've mentioned just now um, that you worked in special education for a while. This is um, so. This stuff is obviously near and dear to your heart, but I can't imagine that you did this all alone. 
Um, was this a solo project of passion or do you have a group of people helping you out? How, how big is this project people wise? Uh, I don't illustrate. <laughs> so, uh, Ogre Faces actually was illustrated by my then 12 year old niece. Uh, she's 13 now. Um, so she illustrated that one for me and that kind of got it started. And then the subsequent, uh, six books of this level were illustrated by M Amelia and Clements, uh, who I met actually at real city comic con a few years ago. And, um, we just kind of started talking and I was like, would you be interested in doing one book? And she's like, yeah, we can try one. Let's see how that goes. And then it's just been a really great fit. Uh, and then the only exception to that would be, um, a quilt is made of pieces. Um, which is more of a rhyming um, classroom style book. Um, mm. And that one was illustrated by Susan Thomas, who's a friend of mine I met through um, our mutual love of, of Critical Role. So uh, another fandom. So we're, we're just kind of, you know, it's those little pieces. And then nothing is ever, you know, entirely alone. Um, I've been networking and, and having family support and all these sort of things that really have given me the, the confidence to, to keep going. Um, educators and things who I've worked with that inspire it. Um, but in terms of, you know, the writing, the, the formatting, the, you know, all the setting up the publishing, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the company is, is run by me out of my bedroom, really. So <laughs> if you order off online, uh, I've got the stock here that I'll be sending your way. So that's, that's um, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's definitely been a it been a passion project. Um, I've got about twenty five books on my hard drive that I'm in the process of editing and different stages. I, you know, I work a full time job right now on the side to devote you know five hundred dollars every couple months to printing a new book and just kind of going from it's, there. I okay, I love this as a fellow content creator of a very different sort um, that you just said. I have a full-time job on the side. Yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect. And it rings so true. I, it, uh, I, I left my full-time job a while ago, but, uh, for the first seven years or so of this podcast, it was, um, it, you know, it's a full-time job to, uh, to feed what I really want to do. It's a full-time yeah. job on the side. That is, I, that might be my, new favorite phrase uh, <laughs> from recent episodes on this podcast. That's fabulous. Uh, and now I've completely lost where I was going to go after that. Uh, just cause I loved that so much. <laughs> I mean, it's really the truth, right? Like I, the, the goal is to definitely get this to a place where this is everything that I do, you know, whether it's, um, going to schools and, you know, this year has really picked up with going, having school visits, um, even doing professional development for ed other educators, um, providing those. That's that's been something I've added new this year. Conventions. Um, those are all things that I would love to be able to do full time. Um, and so that's the ultimate end goal. But as of right now, yeah, it is what it is. Got to got to have that health insurance for the kids. So you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> And uh, it's tax season right now. So speaking of health insurance, I just got some forms that were very eye-opening Yeah, uh, for how much I paid for health insurance last year. Gee, <laughs> Christmas. All right. So <laughs> where, where do I want to go with this now? What, 
um, actually, I, I do want to ask, do you have, a, no, I have a two-part question. First of all, when did you kind of launch this? And I know that that's probably a fuzzy line, right? Yeah. But how old do you consider this project? And then what is your favorite um your favorite experience like there there has to be some personal experience of talking with some kid or or you know as you say a refugee or or somebody who's a language learner and and picking these books up there's got to be some story that you've that that you've fallen in love with uh, some experience that you've had talking with somebody who's enjoyed these books yeah uh absolutely so officially this project is um, two years old um, because as long as I've been writing the books, uh, I was writing them because I thought they would be good someday for somebody. Uh, and I tried, you know, sh shop shopping them to publishers um, and after not even getting it rejection letters, just not getting anything back, I was like, okay, this might be something I just, what does that look like to self-publish? Um, and so during the middle of the pandemic, I'd been substitute teaching and, uh, and work dried up cause everybody went online. So I was like, okay, well now is a good time to start learning a new trade. And I started looking into how to start a business, starting an LLC and, and, um, and looking at self-publishing and decided, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to try it. And so uh, the Explorer's Guide to Ogre Faces was published February 14th of last year. So we're just approaching the one year mark on officially having books out. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's officially, I would say, two years old in terms of just saying this is the project that I'm going to undertake. Um, and then we're only a year from actually having content available uh, for readers. So it's, it's still in its infancy. And so yeah. to see it, you know, to be here right now is ridiculous. Honestly, I was like, really? Because uh, yeah, I was approached at Rose City Comic Con, which was only, a, you know, what, six months into, into being in existence. And uh, I was blown away by that. Uh, in terms of uh, favorite stories, uh, there's a lot of them. Um, but I again, going back to Rose City, because that was really my first big event. Um, and I had a, several people come up to me uh, who said along the lines of, you know, I'm autistic or my, and my kids are autistic. And man, if I would have had these when I was learning to read, it would have been a difference maker. Um, I've had people with other, you know, speech impediments, um, dyslexia, came up and have said the same thing. And, and so just being able to, you know, I don't want to single any one out just because every single one of them has meant the world to me uh, to hear that. Um, and so, you know, another one that is really hit is when people come up and go, they read through it and they go, Oh, wow. You have this, you know, you're, you know, using they, them pronouns or something. It's just having that, in there feeling represented has made a difference to a lot of people. And that's, you know, part of that psychology is that if we feel, if we can see ourselves in the stories, that's when we engage with it. Right. I grew up on the boxcar children. I loved it. I, I loved Chronicles of Narnia because I was a kid 
who could see myself in those stories and in those situations. Um, and then, yeah, if I can provide that to other people, um, then hopefully they can engage with reading and, and feel more comfortable in that space. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I remember, uh, oh, oh gosh, what was it? It was Blood Mirror, Brent Weeks's Blood Mirror that finally, it really clicked the idea of, uh, of representation. Um, I, 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 I still, I still think there can be too much made of it, but uh, we can also make not enough of it. Um, and I was probably not making not enough of it for a long time. And then uh, had that experience reading a Brent Weeks book where I was like, oh yeah, that matters. Okay, it does matter. So yeah, I like that. Um, even for uh, an early reader, a young reader or a, a new reader, uh, yeah. that, that's important and interesting stuff. Let me change gears here then and, and ask you about the future stuff coming up. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll circle back and we'll talk uh, just briefly again about the stuff that's already out. The stuff that's coming up, you said you've got a bunch of books on your hard drive, stuff that you're working on. What is the one that's lighting your fire right now? What are you most excited to get out into the world? I really want to get to my level three books. Um, it's the, that's the legends of Luna Nueva and that will really get into the storyline that's going to propel the rest of this forward. Um, levels one and two are about building vocabulary, um, being able to adapt to different sentence structures, building a little bit of stamina. Level three is really starting to start a narrative. And then we're going to follow those characters up through teen novel. So it's going to be this growth arc of these characters. It's going to be um, very uh, tabletop RPG reminiscent. Uh, and it's going to be just a lot of fun. And uh, that's really where the, uh, I feel the meat is, is going to be, is in that. And so I really want to get to that stage. Um, those are all written. Uh, I need to be able to afford my illustrator to do it. Uh, and that's where I'm at. I'm kind of, this year is a lot of trying to do con conventions, trying to get myself out there, build a little capital so that I can really, um, you know, dig into that with my illustrator. Um, that's what that side hustle full-time job is all about, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, got to pay the bills and then, you know, stuff a, stuff a little bit aside for marketing and whatnot. Um, I've made some great connections uh, through this. Uh, just partnered with the Pacific Northwest Guild of Cosplayers um, to work with them on, you know, getting stuff ready for conventions. Um, and that's been really, really exciting. It's, it's new. Um, so if you've got any cosplayers in the, in the, in the group, uh, recommend checking them out as well. Um, but they, they help do a ton of stuff at conventions, um, helping people repair their cosplays and stuff. And, uh, really excited about, about that partnership and where it can go. I could see uh, when you, when you said partnering with cosplayers, I, I was wondering if you would ever switch from illustrations to photographs and you could do some fun like photo shoots and you know i'm thinking of the swords and shields and potions and whatnot like you could do some pretty fun stuff with cosplayers oh yeah i i, I don't want to give too much away but um yeah you've you've got some yeah hmm. so what you're saying is my brain works the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so again i said i'd circle back to the stuff that's already out People listening to this, um, 
you know, if they're longtime listeners, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that most of them personally aren't looking for an eight page uh, beginning learning book. However, yeah. uh, so so <laughs> with another author who comes on and says, hey, I just wrote this book. You should check it out. It's easy to say, go buy the book. Give it a shot. You know, see if you like it. But is there some way that our listeners can support you um, outside of just, hey, go buy the books? Um, is there anything that they can do as far as spreading the word, talking to their elementary school principals in the area or whatever? I don't know. What, yeah. what can people do to help you out? Absolutely. Talk to principals, um, school boards, uh, you know, message your convention when they when they ask for requests, say, hey, bring fan first fantasy books and I'd like to see their stuff, um, you know, uh, support, you know, even if you 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 don't have a, a child or somebody who's in that reading age group, um, you know, if you're wanting to do some giving during the holidays or something, find a, a local children's book charity or something that, that could use, you know, content rich uh, material. Or, um, you know, here we've got ERCO, the Immigrant Refugee Community Organization, who I donated about 50 books to last year. Um, I also do donated a bunch to the Children's Book Bank here as well. And doing things like that, children's hospitals where kids, you know, are there and, and they need stuff to do, um, you know, find ways to, to just support through those means as well. Um, but yeah, I, definitely talk to schools because I, I would love to get into schools more, um, visiting them, helping them, you know, guide their readers. Uh, that's, you know, my passion. Uh, I got my master's in teaching for a reason. I love, I love working with students. And so um, being able to help them on, on a big scale through providing content rich material is, is, you know, really exciting. Well, there you go. Um, Adam Ross, thank you so much. And uh, people should go, like I said, to firstfantasybooks.com. Um, you can check out, just go to the go to the shop page and you can see all the products there um, that are currently stacked up in Adam's bedroom, apparently. Um, <laughs> so you can go check all those out. Uh, and then right next to that in the navigation, it says contact. And so um, if anybody has any ideas or, or stuff that they want to run by Adam, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Adam, will welcome that. So, Thank you. And also, um, you know, if we have any teachers in the group, one of the things that I've added to my my page is um, there's a subscription where they can download um, the spell scroll pages so that they don't have to take up space in their hard drive on their computer or make hard, a bunch of hard copies that they have to take in, you know, keep in a filing cabinet. They can access them anywhere in the world. Um, and so the, that's also there as well for teachers to use. There's just all kinds of different, you know, little things that are part of that community on there that are really great. All right. Well, that's firstfantasybooks.com. Adam, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And for everybody else, thank you so much for listening. Again, thelegendarium.com is where you can support us, which is, uh, I'm going to say, a rung down on the ladder from what you should be doing. First go to firstfantasybooks.com, and then you can go to thelegendarium.com um, and check out all of our stuff there. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I will see you next time. <laughs>